Well, thank you, Matt, for sharing for us this morning. And what an appropriate hymn was given out today. Life at best is very brief. Time is gliding swiftly by. Death and judgment draweth nigh. To the arms of Jesus fly, be in time. Oh, I pray you count the cost. Ere the fatal line be crossed, and your soul in hell be lost, be in time. Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Family Bible Hour Ministry. Last week we were both challenged and blessed by Chris Lee's message on defense against the changing world. And the theme of that message was to trust and to obey, something I'm sure which all of us have difficulty doing. But trust and obey is not an option. It is the basic theme running through all of Scripture, that we as God's people are to trust the Lord and to obey Him. Otherwise, there are serious consequences to face. And so, in keeping with those thoughts in mind, I would like to continue with our third and last message in our trilogy of messages entitled, Sound the Trumpet. This morning's message is entitled, Sound the Trumpet, Judgment is Coming. So, if you have your Bibles handy, would you all turn with me, please, to John chapter 5, verses 22 to 27, and we are going to use this text as a springboard to the other scriptures which are connected to it. John chapter 5, verses 22 to 27. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy holy book, for in it we read the love of God and the will of God and the blessings of God. But in it we also read the warning of God that we need to repent. We need to turn from our sins and turn back to our God. For there are serious consequences if we fail to do that. And so, Father, this morning, as we delve into thy scriptures, we pray that the Spirit of God will grant us the grace to understand the text before us and to grant us the willingness to obey what we have been taught. For we ask it all in our Savior's name 
and for his glory. Amen. In verse 22 of John 5, we read, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Pause there. Dearly beloved, did you grasp that? Jesus Christ will judge every man, woman, and child that has ever been born. God the Father has from the beginning of time given the judgment of all mankind into the hands of his dearly beloved Son. And so the objective of today's message is to send a clear warning to all those who have trampled the Son of God under their feet and proudly turned their backs on the only Savior of all mankind and have chosen instead to follow, whether willfully or unintentionally, the prince of this world, Satan. This warning goes out to all of my Catholic friends and family, to all of my Mormon friends and family, to all my Muslim friends, to all my atheist friends and neighbors and co-workers in the field of education, and to all those who are sitting on the fence, so to speak, undecided as to the claims of Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Wake up before it is too late. Wake up before you cross the valley of the shadow of death and find the reality of hellfire. Wake up before you fall into the hands of an angry God who will sentence you to a place prepared for the devil and his fallen angels called the lake of burning fire. Sin is no laughing matter. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners and already headed for hell. We don't have to do anything to get there. We are all as a fallen race headed there when we come into this world. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners by nature and by deed. But some may think, Oh, but I'm not that bad. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen anything. I've never committed adultery, etc. Oh, dear friend, think again. Romans 3, 10 to 11 tells us, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. No one is good enough to please God, let alone be spared hellfire. But the educated atheist will claim there is no God. Religion is simple man's way of explaining the difficulties of life. And I say, think again, my friend, for God has written about you and all your colleagues in a book called the Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable work. There is none that doeth good. And also a second time, in case we miss the first, God repeats himself in Psalm 53, 1. The fool hath said in his heart, 
there is no God. Corrupt are they and have alone and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. But especially this warning is sounded to the wolves in sheep's clothing who pretend to be pastors feeding their sheep, but instead are fleecing the sheep and deceiving countless millions with their lies. God has warned you many times in his Bible. Jeremiah 23, 30 to 32. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. God, who is a holy and a righteous God and a God of judgment, is also a loving and a merciful God and a gracious to all who will come to him by faith. He is not willing that anyone should perish or end up in hell, but that all should come to repentance, we're told in Second Peter 3.9. He has made the way to total forgiveness for all our sins so simple and so easy that even a child can understand. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then again in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to, 8, 8 to 9, we are told, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God has done it all for us. But if we will not have the love of God, then one day we will have to face the judgment of God. Which now brings us to the main text for our message this morning, Revelations, Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. So if you still have your Bibles handy, would you please turn with me to the book of the Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, and we will read this passage carefully. This has been placed here by God the Holy Spirit as our final warning. There is no other scenario possible for those who reject Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord. If they will not bow their knee to him now, when he is still calling sinners to repentance to save them, then they will bow the knee to him one day when he sentences them to an eternity in the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And the first thing which I would like for us to notice is that the Apostle John saw a great white throne. Remember, please, that history is coming to a close here. In the previous chapters of the book of the Revelation, in verse in uh, chapter 19 and 20, <clears throat> we read about how the Lord returned with his saints and his holy angels from heaven and destroyed the Antichrist and his armies at Armageddon. And how he had the beast and the false prophet taken and cast alive into the burning lake of fire. Then an angel came down from heaven and bound Satan and thrust him into the bottomless pit where he would remain for a thousand years, unable to deceive the nations anymore. But, say the scriptures, after those thousand years are over, Satan would once again be briefly released. In the meantime, Christ reigns for a thousand years on this earth with his holy saints in glory. The earth is restored to its original glory and peace is the order of the day. Sin is not allowed to reign. But when the thousand years are over, Satan is loosed once again out of his prison, Revelation 27. And once again, he deceives the nations, all those who only paid lip service to the Lord while they were in his kingdom. And with all the unsaved rebels, Satan tries to mount a final assault, which the Lord Jesus destroys with fire from heaven. The rebels are devoured. The devil is this time finally cast into the lake of fire, as we read in chapter 20, verse 10, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And what a warning this should be to our Jehovah Witnesses who deny the existence of hell and fire and life after death for the lost. Then, then after all these things have taken place, the Apostle John is given a vision of a great white throne in verse 11 of chapter 20. It was a throne unequaled anywhere in the universe. This was a huge white throne as far as the eye could see. And it was magnificent and majestic, for it was not built by the hands of mortal men. It was put there by God himself, high up in the confines of space. The old earth and the old heaven were no longer in existence, we are told in verse 11 of chapter 20. 
It is also described as a great throne because it was occupied by God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was therefore a supreme throne out of which would come righteous judgment. No more would men pervert justice to suit their fancy. No more would the rich be able to buy their way out of serving a just sentence. But it was also described as a white throne because it was a throne of complete purity, wholeness, holiness, and righteousness. But the image which totally captivated the apostles' eyes was him that sat upon it. And who was this that occupied such a magnificent throne? Why, it was the Lord God Almighty himself, the one whom the scriptures identify as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, in Revelation 1, verse 11. And as we focus on this one who sat upon the great white throne, our hearts ought to be stricken with grief and great concern for the lost in our society. All those who were deceived into following false messiahs, whether it was Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, the Catholic popes, or countless thousands of self-professed spiritual gurus of enlightenment. Now was the day of reckoning. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. In verse 13, our immediate attention is drawn to those wretched souls whose bodies are raised from the dead and reunited with their souls and spirits. For we are told in that verse that death delivered the dead, that is, their bodies, or what was left of them. And hell also delivered the dead, that is, all the lost souls and spirits who were in a temporary holding cell called hell, a place of torment and suffering. Now, one by one, they were brought before the one who sat on the great white throne, and they would all be read evidence of their guilty verdict, and would all be consequently sentenced to a most horrendous place of suffering, the burning lake of fire. They would be sentenced to that place for all eternity. The Apostle John saw the dead small and great stand before God. They are the lost from all the past ages, right from the time of Adam to the end of time. They are those who chose to follow Satan's smorgasbord of false religions and ideologies and all of his false gods instead of trusting the one true living God known as Jesus Christ in the New Testament and Jehovah God in the Old Testament. 
They are those who trusted in their own good works and clean living, so to speak, to earn their way into God's good books. And they are those who also denied the existence of God and this place to which they are now being sentenced. There were the small dead, that is, the unimportant men, women, and children, mere peasants, farmers, grocery clerks, factory workers, teachers, doctors, scientists. They may also be societies despised and downtrodden, such as murderers, adulterers, prostitutes, drug addicts, thieves, drunkards, the sexually perverted, vagabonds or bag ladies, and so on. And John also saw the dead great stand before Christ as well. They were those famous or infamous men and women of society who had carved out a name for themselves. Some may have been remembered for their good deeds to humanity or for their cruelty and atrocities to their fellow man. They will be the likes of cruel dictators, kings and queens who reigned a long time ago. Or they may be great presidents and prime ministers, popes, great religious leaders, brilliant financiers, and men and women of great scientific and technological inventions, men and women whom the world greatly revered and followed blindly to their own destruction. But there will also be the ordinary among them, Mr. Jones, the neighbor, who really never bothered anyone but just kept to himself or Mrs. Smith's daughter, who always did so much for her neighbors when they were in need. Or maybe it will be Uncle Jim, you know, the one, the joker of the family, the one who was always happy and the life of the party. Or maybe it will be a wife or a husband who said they were Christians, but were never born again by the Spirit of God. Yes, John was awestruck when he saw the innumerable souls stand before God. And then John saw God open the books, and all the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Oh, dear friends, God makes no mistakes. God sees the end from the beginning. God sees our hearts. God knows every thought. God remembers every word we have ever spoken, and God has recorded all these things in his books. Every entry is 100% accurate and precise. There are no omissions, and there are no false entries to strengthen the case. God is no respecter of persons, and all these books will be open to bear testimony against them. Every single soul who rejected to trust the one true living God for their salvation will now reap the rewards of such a decision. And one of the books which will be opened will be the book of remembrance, which the prophet Malachi speaks about in chapter, thir uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord, and that thought upon his name, 
And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. O dear friend, is your name written in the book of remembrance? I truly hope it is. Then there will be a second book opened, the book of conscience, which Romans 1, 18 to 19 alludes to. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Did they always obey their conscience? Or did they do that which they knew was wrong? They will be judged according to their works. And there will be a third book open, the book of suffering, as mentioned in Psalm 56, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me, writes David. Dearly beloved, God knows the suffering of his saints. He knows their fears. He knows their hurts. He knows their abuse at the hands of the ungodly. Not a single tear shed by one of his precious blood-bought saints will go unnoticed. All those tears shed for the souls of lost ones and the tears caused by the suffering imposed upon them by the lost who chose to ignore the many calls to repentance will all be carefully recorded and will be brought as a testimony against them on that awful day. Well, friend, let me ask you this. Are you saved? If not, are you aware of how many tears have already been shed for your salvation? They are being continually recorded. If you haven't trusted Christ, won't you trust him today while there is still yet some time? Then there will be a fourth book opened, the book which God himself has written and has divinely preserved for us throughout all the ages. And that book is the book which we have in our hands here this morning called the Holy Bible. Oh, it may have a different cover, may have a different print, or it may be in a different language. But make no mistake about it, dear friends. God, who is holy and righteous and just, could never hold man accountable for disobedience unless he first had provided him with a rule book with a book which outlined God's expectations for man, a book that has been inspired from cover to cover and completely preserved until the end of time. For he himself said of this book in Matthew 5:18, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. This is the book which has been warred over battled over, debated over, and countless millions have lost their lives over it. This is the book which the devil has been trying to discredit, to destroy, and to deny since the day it was first written and given to man. This book, this holy Bible, 
will also be opened. And by its unchanging, holy and perfect standards, all the lives before the great white throne will be measured and found wanting. For no one has ever been able to fulfill all its requirements perfectly. No one except the Lord Jesus Christ, the one seated on the throne before them. There will be tears, but it will be far too late. All who stand before him that day had denied and rejected him and his cross. They trampled underfoot the grace of God and ridiculed the way of the cross. They refused the saving blood of the Lamb of God who was slain for them on their behalf. And instead, they chose to do things their own way. Romans 2.16 says, In that day, when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, writes the Apostle Paul, and then in Romans 3.10-12, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There is none that doeth good, not one. Dear friend, if you are unsaved today, will you be able to stand before God and call him a liar to his face? Will you be able to point to yourself and shake your fist in spite of the overwhelming evidence against you and say, God, I have done good? And the fifth book that will be opened is the book of life, which is mentioned here in Revelation 20, verse 12. And whosoever was not found in the book of life, or whosoever was now found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, I trust that there will be no one here today ever found standing before the white throne of God that day, because the sentence will be eternal fire. We are told that death and hell will give up body, soul, and spirit they will all be reunited. The lost will also be resurrected and given immortal bodies, incorruptible, a new body but the same soul and spirit. And these bodies will be similar to the resurrected bodies of the saved, except that these bodies will still be in their sins. That is how they can be in the lake of fire and burn and never be consumed. And this is how sin will eventually be put away. But many who hear this message on Sermon Audio may think, this is not the God that I know. The God that I know would never be so cruel as to send a soul to such a place with such torment for all eternity. Even I could not do that to my worst enemies. Then, my friend, I have to tell you that you do not know the God of the Bible who is the only one true living God. The God that you know you have created in your own image. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Come. Come while there is still time. Turn from your sins. Turn to Christ for your complete cleansing and forgiveness for all your sins. Trust in his precious shed blood of Calvary. He died for you and he died for me. He took upon himself the wrath of God so that you and I would not have to face it ourselves someday. Come, turn away from your sins. Come to Jesus. He will never turn you away, but you must come to him by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, dear friends, do not be deceived. Mohammed cannot save you. The popes cannot save you. The Mormon Jesus cannot save you. Neither can Buddha, Krishna, None but Jesus Christ of the Bible. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. We're told in Acts 16.31. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for thy holy book. And if we're honest, Lord Jesus, uh, we have to confess that this particular scene that we have just discussed is very unpleasant to our souls. It is a grief to us to think that we have so many lost loved ones who care not for the least of the things of God and will someday end up in the burning lake of fire. Father, give us a new spirit of boldness. Help us to find ways to not be ashamed of approaching all those whom we know still need to be saved and to present them with the greatest gift of all, the gift of the Lord Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Part us now, we pray, with thy blessings. And if the Lord be not come, may it please thee once again to bring us together next Lord's Day around his table. For we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen.